Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So I want you guys to turn to a, a first uh, two scriptures we're going to talk about uh, in the very beginning. I'm going to give you some scriptures today, so follow along with me. Um, I believe that this is a, a prophetic word for what the times that we're living in. I don't have uh, a title for this message. All I know is that the Lord gave this to me. And um, I want to give you two scriptures back to back, and then I'm going to expound on why I'm sharing these two scriptures. Uh, and I'll give you really five key prophetic points of what I believe the Lord is saying now uh, to the churches, to the body of Christ, particularly to Remnant Christian Center, our spiritual community. Um, Number one, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And this is a very popular form, uh, portion of Scripture. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says this. To everything there is a season, a time, and a purpose under heaven. I'm going to say that again. This is in the New King James Version. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. All right, mark that down, kind of put, put a hold on that, and flip over real quick to Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, very popular form of scripture, but this is what Jesus is saying as he's actually speaking to the churches in the book of Revelations. Look what he says. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, you notice in these two back-to-back scriptures, one is talking about in Ecclesiastes that everything has, there, everything, there is a season, a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Okay, we're definitely in a very unique season that uh, we are in right now in my lifetime I have never seen what is going on in the nation and the world today regarding this uh, coronavirus and the quarantines and the the health mandates. I've never seen it. Many people have lived uh, longer than me, and they have not seen this in in their lifetime. So we really need to discern the season and the time of where we're in because we're realizing that these are seasons that we need to pay attention to. But there is always a purpose for this season. We may not know the full purpose, but be assured in the, in the eyes of God and in heaven, there is a purpose for this season. Yes, this season that we are going, going through. And ultimately, the Lord's purposes will unveil and will bring him glory. And um, that's what we need to realize is that whether we understand this or not, there is a purpose to every season and every time. And then secondly, this opening scripture is in Revelation where, where Jesus himself says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Now listen to this. To the church, he who has an ear to hear, let him, let him hear or discern what the Spirit is saying to the church. I want to encourage you, posture yourself in such a way in prayer, in communion with the Lord, in worship, that you are hearing his voice, not only personally for your life, but corporately for the body of Christ and for the world. What is God saying? What is God saying to you individually? What is God saying, excuse me, saying to us as a 
spiritual body here at Remnant Christian Center? What is he saying uh, to us as, as the body of Christ? So I believe uh, during these times it's important to hear and discern what the Lord is saying in this hour. And I uh, wrote some things down that I felt in times of prayer, and honestly, just this week, um, with what's happening, with the news changing so much, and our requirements changing so much, a lot of fear, a lot of panic, a lot of worry, lots of um, doubt, a lot of uncertainty. But how many know that with God's words, there is no uncertainty? There is truth. There is life. Uh, there, there is confidence in his word. You know, the Bible says, uh, let every word be, be yes and amen. And it's the same thing with his word. You know what? His word never fails. As a matter of fact, the Bible says his word cannot return void back to him, but it will accomplish the thing that it was set out to do. So I have good news for our brothers and sisters, our friends, our spiritual family, that this, what we're experiencing right now, has not and, and did not take the Lord uh, off guard. It didn't happen by accident. To us, it's a surprise, but there is a purpose, and the Lord is saying something to us. And so I believe, I'm going to share with you this morning, guys, uh, about five prophetic things that I believe the Lord is wanting to say to the churches, to us, our Remnant Christian Center community, the body of Christ, and also uh, what is happening, what is what the purposes of these things are. And so I say that to go to point number one. And you're going to see the, the points on the screen. So we're, we're, we're trying to get you uh, cutting-edge technology here this morning on Sunday to get you the best here from your homes. So the first uh, prophetic point that I believe uh, of what the Lord is speaking in this hour, the Lord is saying to, to, to me and to several others that I've been talking to um, that feel that this is, number one, a time for unity in the body of Christ like never before. I'm going to say that again. A unity in the body of Christ like never before. Uh, it is very important that we grasp this, church, because uh, unity is not uh, having to agree with every preference or every opinion uh, that the body of Christ has. That is not what unity is at all. Unity is not having little disagreement about an opinion uh, or about how service should be run, especially in these times uh, or, or, or whatnot. What unity in the body of Christ looks like in this hour, I believe, is for us to come together. Man, I feel the presence of God in just saying that. Unity in coming together to strengthen each other, to build each other up, to text each other, to communicate with each other, saying, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? I just uh, had... Um, several pastor friends of mine from all over Florida, from, from uh, Tallahassee, from Miami, saying, I'm praying for you. Please pray for us. You know, and, and that's what unity looks like, guys. Unity uh, in the body of Christ, prophetically in this hour, is not that you agree with every uh, nuance or every view out there. It's coming together, which means this. Part of uni- unity also means means. Forget about the white, black, red culture of churches and come together to meet people's needs. Uh, I want you to look at Luke chapter 
11, verse 17 through 18. This is powerful because obviously Jesus um, is talking in reference to someone that said, you know, they cast out, you cast out demons by, by Beelzebub, right? The, chief, the ruler of, of demons. Um, but the principle of what he says next in response is such a powerful principle um, if we want to maintain unity in the body of Christ. And you know what he says? He says this in Luke chapter um, 11, verse, uh, verse 17 and 18 in the New King James. It'll be up on, the, on, the, on your screen for you. It says, but he, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation. And a house divided against its own house will fall. Okay? Now, think about that. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? All right? Then he continues with uh, his original, uh, answering the original statement. But, there, guys, there's a principle here. When The first thing that I want to share with you about what the Lord is doing and the purpose, we talked about the first two scriptures, is that there has to be unity um, in our lives. There has to be the unity in the body of Christ. Um, it is very clear that the scripture says how good and how pleasant it is for who. Now let's, come on, you can talk back to me even though I can't hear you. you gotta, I got to have faith that you're talking back to me. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren, brethren. That means the people of, of God. That means Christians to dwell together in unity. Now, now look at this beautiful analogy. In Psalm 133, verse 1 through 3, you'll see it. It will probably be up on the screen. I'll paraphrase it, but I'll say this. It, the Bible says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Then it says this. It is like the oil of Aaron from his beard dripping down to the uttermost parts of his garment. What is oil symbolic of in the scriptures? Oil is symbolic of, of, obviously, the presence of God. It's symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing oil. That's where we get the, the, uh, the, uh, that phrase from. Well, oil is symbolic of the presence of God, the fire of God, the anointing of God, okay? Uh, and I say that because if you really want to see the presence of God increase in, in our land, in this hour of turmoil, in this hour of, of fret, of even doubt and despair, it will discombobulate the enemy's work when the body of Christ puts away the little differences uh, of, of um, political views. Let me just say this. This is not the time for the body of Christ to be at odds uh, at each other of their political views or what they think about the president of the United States. I, I am glad that we have a president that not only uh, um, got the National Day of Prayer this past Sunday, but is doing all that they can, all that the, the, the government can with the resource that they have to keep us safe. And so uh, I, I want to encourage you. Now it's not the time to be uh, divisive when it comes to uh, your culture of your church, um, the culture of your background, whether I come from a Spanish church or I come from a black uh, cultural church or I come from Anglo, whatever it is, it's time to unite, guys. This is the word of the hour for us at Remnant Christian Center. 
And I believe for the body of Christ, we need unity. You know why? A house divided cannot stand, and the anointing oil from God comes with unity. Do you guys remember what happened right before the Holy Spirit fell in the book of Acts? What had to be in place? What had to, what had to be in place before the, the, the Holy Spirit could come? The Bible says they were all together in one accord. Glory to God. They were in one accord, and, that, and I believe that the Holy Spirit or the Father said, you know what? They're ready. They're all in the same mind. They have, all, they have one accord. And guess what? The power of God came. So much so that it continued. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5 that they had all things in common. That means they shared uh, with each other. And they had great joy in doing it. Why? They were unified. I believe the, the, the thing that the Lord is saying to us today, this morning, is this. We need to be unified and we need to strive for unity, okay? Uh, which means um, to some of us, if we have ought against some other people, let's, let's go be the, the mature person, the mature Christian, and let's go ahead and ask for forgiveness. Uh, don't wait for them to do that for you. Again, if there's, if there's another brother or sister that you haven't talked to in the Lord, let's be unified as the body of Christ, okay? Because let me tell you this. The world right now needs the strength of the body of Christ to be unified. We cannot be uh, divided in trying to reach the world and having our own agendas. Listen, now is not the time to have your own little kingdoms and ministries. Maybe there's some um, other pastors or leaders watching. Guys, leaders in the kingdom of God, right now is not the time to kind of go in a little corner by yourself and ignore everything that's happening in the world right? And just worry about your ministry. No, have a greater perspective ahead of you. Don't just worry about your little meetings and uh, making sure that, you know, uh, your ministry is taken care of. No, look out for one another. Come on, say amen. Look out for one another. Encourage one another. Strengthen each other. Listen, listen, pray with each other. This is so critical. That is all part of unity. It is all part of unity. If we, listen, if we, if you just in your homes invite a, 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 um, another family member or even a couple people from our RCC community, just invite them in your home. Let's just say every Sunday before church starts for now so you can worship together or during the middle of the week, right, um, to have some, some fellowship and then you pray together. That's unity because you're coming together for one purpose, to see the Lord glorified. Can I hear an Amen. Amen. So that is the, the first point that I wanted to share with you, the prophetic point. Again, this is all based, again, if you're tuning in late, this is based on the two opening scriptures that I gave, which uh, I believe are prophetic, which is uh, Ecclesiastes, where it says um, there's a season and a time. Um, there's a purpose for every season and time in heaven. And in Revelations, where it says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. The second prophetic principle that I want to share with our RCC community uh, and in the body of Christ, what I feel the Lord is saying is this. Number two is, it's time for great faith to arise in our hearts during these times. I'm going to say that again. It's time for great faith to arise in our hearts during this time. And again, there are so many layers in this. One of the greatest and most simplest ways to build your faith during this time. Please hear me, it's so elementary, but it's so, so missed out in the body of Christ. It's this, take time to get the word of God in you. 
Don't take time to put all this, you know, CNN and all these other news media out there that's trying to bring you fear. It's not the time for other resources to compete with what faith wants to do in your life. So how do you get faith? By hearing and hearing of the word of God. So the most elementary time to have faith in this season is not for wait to wait for a preacher like me to say, have faith, right? Uh, it's not even a time for um, your friends just to say, hey, man, just believe in God. No, the quickest and most powerful way to, to have great faith, right, is through the word of God. Now listen, why do we need great faith? Because we're, we're in some troubled times right now. Now listen, I know there's people out there that have a, a opposite, not opposite view, a, a view that, hey, yes, Jesus is on the throne. By me, saying, by me saying that we need to have faith does not mean that I think that Jesus is not on the throne. Of course he is on the throne. And of course he's victorious. But he's waiting on us. Jesus has all the victory. He's waiting on us to have faith. That moves mountains. Now, now I want you to get this, all right? This is powerful what I'm going to say. How do we gauge um, our faith, all right? So in other words, how do we kind of gauge and measure if we are increasing in our faith during this time? How do, how do we gauge that, you know, if we have uh, faith and it's building faith eventually to great faith? By many things, but I believe by two main things. We gauge faith, watch this, by our confession of our mouth, and our actions of what we say out of our mouth. Come on, somebody. Say that with me. We gauge our faith by the confessions of our mouth and our actions to what we confess out of our mouth. Uh, it, it is so important that we, that, that we gauge that honestly in our walk with God. So if you're the type of person you say, well, I don't know if I have great faith or not, or I don't know if I have the faith or not, well, then ask yourself two, two things. Number one, what is repeatedly coming out your mouth, especially, especially during troubled times right now? What is secretly coming out of your mouth when you're driving and nobody, you got nobody to impress? No, you, you can't be spiritual there. What's honestly coming out of your mouth when you're by yourself in your room or you're driving uh, and you're and you're, and you're wanting to share some things maybe that is negative, okay? Or positive. What's coming out your mouth? A key to conf- to gauge your faith hear me church is listen to what's coming out your mouth that's some good stuff right there all right what is your confession oh we're all sick or oh everyone's gonna be sick or oh i don't know if i did no 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 confess you know what i'm covered by the blood of the lamb and even if you have have a little cough now and then it's like nope i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not i don't have this I'm, i'm gonna confess that by the blood of jesus i am set free even with your finances, I believe by faith. And by the way, the, one of the greatest ways to build your faith is by praying the word of God, okay? When you, you, when you say, Lord, your word says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. You know what you're doing? You're actually building your own faith up and praying at the same time. So it's like a bonus. You're praying what you need, but then you're hearing yourself say the word. And guess the byproduct is? Faith will increase. Why? Because faith comes by hearing of the word. I tell you, even though you know the word, I encourage you to speak it out loud. Get your Bible out and start speaking it out loud because then faith will increase in your life, okay? Uh, uh, so it's, it's the confession of your mouth and your action. Come on, everybody say action. We all know this scripture. Faith without works is dead. Now, 
action should follow what you say you believe. If you say, hear me now, now, I know this may be sensitive. If you say, man, I believe with all my heart that God is going to take care of my finances during this time. I believe with all my heart he's going to protect us. And even if you did get a little pay cut or even if you did uh, have some news from your job. So I know people have texted me that, that some of their jobs have told them they're cutting their hours. Okay, what, how, how do you respond in your action when you get bad news? Whether your job is cutting you hours or things like that. Do you still act according to the confession of what you said you have faith for? In other words, will you still be faithful with your tithes? Will you still be faithful to pay your bills? Will you still be faithful to keep your promises, right? Your actions reveal a lot about what you really believe. And I'm going to say that again because that's powerful. Your actions reveal a lot on what you really believe. Let me tell you something. You know... I've said this before a couple years ago, but it's so important. You truly know what you believe when you're squeezed. Our nation and our world is being squeezed right now. Listen, if, if you squeeze an orange, hopefully an or- orange juice will start coming out of that, of the, of the orange. But if you squeeze an orange, right, and prune juice comes out, then it's advertising something that really is not in there. Come on, say amen. A lot of times we, we as Christians will say oh, great things, we'll, we'll say great faith, right? But when it comes to our actions, we're afraid. And it's, and, it's, and it's not congruent to the confession coming out of our mouth. So how do we gauge faith? By what's coming out your mouth, in your private time, to your family, to your kids, to your spouse, right? What's, what, what's, what's constantly coming out? See, because we can pretend here at church, right, and say amen and clap our hands. But what are you saying to your spouse in the dinner table? What, what, what are you saying to your friends? Like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't believe, what, what, I can't believe that God is allowing it. No, 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 no. What, 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 is, what is your faith level? Listen to what you're saying and then follow it by your actions. Now, if you could speak good faith, right, and not follow it with your action, so that means you have 50-50. That means if you're speaking faith, right, but you're not following it up with action, which is obedience, then I'm going to give you an answer. Your gauge for faith is not what you think it is. Your faith, your gauge, your, your real faith is not what you're saying. So that's how you gauge it. Some people have asked me, how do I know what, what kind of faith I have? Just pay attention to what's coming out your mouth repeatedly, right? Even in private with, with friendship converse, conversations, you know? Uh, you will see eventually what you really believe by what you say, and then do you really follow up with your actions? Um, I want to share you an, ex- an example in Scripture about a man who even Jesus said um, there's great faith. And I don't have time to break down the levels of faith. And one time I will. But Jesus sometimes says faith and uh, small faith or little faith, right? Uh, or you have little faith. Remember that? But there's a category where he actually describes great faith. So that means that like, there is a level of great faith that I believe the body of Christ wants us to, to go. And in Matthew chapter 8... Verse 5. I'm going to go there with you. So go ahead and um, turn to Matthew chapter 8. I'm going there also with you. Verse 5 and uh, through 10 in the New King James Version. I want you to take a look at this. This is a popular form of scripture, but I want you to see this in the light of what we're talking about today. All right. It says, uh, Jesus, let me see. Verse 5 uh, says this. Okay. Sorry, I'm verse 9. 
Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. How many know that that could bring fear, right? Okay. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, this is an example of of words plus action because he could have just said the words and and said, Jesus, come anyways. He could have said, you know what? Uh, Your words are enough, but I still need you in person here. Then, then, Then he's not really by action believing what he said. He actually said great faith, right? And he acted on it. He didn't say, he didn't, he actually said, don't come. Could you imagine Jesus saying, I'm on my way? Let's pause, let's pause. I'm on my way physically to your house. You, you, I mean, you got the cream of the crop coming. You got Jesus himself coming to your house. He actually said, I'm coming. He didn't even, he wasn't even silent. He wasn't said, I'm not coming. He said, I'm coming. And then you have such great faith that says, you don't even have to come. I'll be honest with you. If I'll be that man, I'll be like, okay, then I'm really going to be confident. Now, there's really nothing to fear now because Jesus is going to come in the flesh to my home and heal my servant. Now, can I pause and say this? No, but anybody could have great faith if Jesus physically walked into your house and said, I'm going to heal everything. Who, 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 who watching right now in our spiritual family, right, or in the body of Christ is watching, if God were to tell you, I'm physically coming to your house and making sure everything gets healed, isn't it easy to have faith at that point? Come on, raise your hand, amen? But to prove that this centurion had great faith and he actually had actions to his faith, is that he didn't even say it to, you know, to be impressive or to be spiritual like some of us do. He actually, when he, when, he, when he heard that Jesus was coming to his house, look what he said. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy of you to come to my home. In other words, you don't have to come to my home because I have faith in the name of Jesus and the authority that you carry. Look what he says uh, in this new light. I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to other come, and he comes. And my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, watch this, guys, watch this. Here here it is. When Jesus heard this, look at this. He marveled and said to those who followed, surely I say to you, I have not found such, come on, shout it with me, great faith. He just didn't say faith. He said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This person was a centurion, and he wasn't part of the Israeli clique in a sense, okay? But let me tell you one thing. He had the faith. He had the faith of of, of mustard seed, but Jesus said he is great faith. He has great faith. So I want to encourage you in this time, guys, in this time, build yourself up in your most holy faith so that you could go from glory to glory and eventually have great faith. Before I go to the third prophetic point, why is it necessary to have great faith? Why? Because when we have great faith, not only can we move mountains, guys, 
we will be a rock, a solid rock of strength for people around us that need hope, that need healing, that need strength. Because a look at your faith that is unshakable and unmovable. And you know what will happen? People will want to be attracted to that. And eventually, they'll turn to the Lord because of your faith. God is good. I believe some of you, even right now, I'm sensing in my heart, while you have faith and you talk faith and you act in faith, people are watching you. People are watching you in your homes. Your family is watching you. People are watching you in your jobs. And guess what's happening? They're going to want to have what you have because when you walk in great faith, you have the answers. Amen? And you bring peace and calmness to situations. Amen. The third uh, prophetic point I want to share this morning uh, with you is this, is what I believe the Lord is saying to our RCC community and the body of Christ at large. The third thing that I feel that the Lord is saying is this, for us to be salt and light of the earth, because the body of Christ has the opportunity, guys, to make deep and lasting impact in this hour. I'm going to say that again. The body of Christ has the opportunity before us to make deep and lasting impact on the earth that will probably uh, go well beyond this moment in time. So if you're taking notes, the third one is, I believe that the Lord is shouting from the rooftops, saying it to many uh, leaders To myself, it's time to be the salt and the light of the earth. You know, it's interesting because Jesus says in his word, I am the light of the world, right? He says that over and over again. But then he throws a curveball at his disciples and says, I'm not only the light of the world, you're the light of the world. Well, guess what? Light always dominates against darkness. And by the way, darkness is always there. In this room, there's darkness, but light overshadows it. It's not like when the light turns on, the, the, the darkness goes, oh, I'm out of here. It's still here, but you just can't see it. Why? Because light dominates darkness. So there's a lot of prophetic implications here to being the salt and the light. Now, you know, we, obviously, we will overcome darkness because light is brighter than darkness, all right? I want to encourage you, though, about salt. Many of you that have known me for years know that this is something that the Lord has given me a revelation about several years ago. But I understand that because of the times that we're living in, many are tuning in. And also, um, many have not heard what I'm going to say. So I want to give you quickly the, the, the natural attributes, about five natural attributes of salt, because Jesus said, be the salt of the earth. Hey, you know, I, I, this is funny. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. But there's a reason why Jesus says certain things in the Bible, right? You know, he said, he, he, when he says, um, uh, you shall mount up with wings as eagles. Well, if he says eagles, it's important to know uh, what eagles are about. It's, it's very important to figure that out. When he says, we're the salt of the earth, he could, you know, for the eagle scripture, he could have said, you shall mount up with wings as hummingbirds. But he didn't say that. He says eagle, so it's our job to study the eagle, right? In this case, he didn't say you're the sugar, sugar of the earth, right? He said you're the salt of the earth. Why? Jesus was very intentional in naming his people the salt of the earth. Because I believe if you study the qualities of salt, salt, you will see 
that there are prophetic implications, spiritual implications, that mirror and parallel the, the uh, physical attributes of salt. Number one, just going to read some of them off to you. The one natural um, um, benefit, right, or quality of salt, and I know not a lot of us love this part, is that salt gives something that is unpleasant enjoyable. Salt gives, adds flavor, all right? It adds flavor to, to the food, and so, uh, so it can make it more enjoyable. As Christians, Jesus is saying, you and I, our job as Christians is to flavor the earth with God's presence. Flavor the earth so that the message of the gospel, gospel could be desirable to people that normally would not want anything with, with God or that are far away from God. Why? If you eat something um, that, that you're not familiar with or you're not in a, or at one time you weren't in agreement with and you add on to that a horrible taste, I guarantee you, you're not going to want anything to do with that, right? Come on, say amen. But if you eat something for the first time and you're trying it out and, you know, you kind of had this, this reputation, uh, be careful with that, just like, you know, the worldly people, uh, I don't know about those Christians, be careful about them. But if, they, if you ever taste it for yourself, right, if you ever taste a, a quality food and it's desirable, your whole opinion will change about that food and you will desire it, right? Our job as the salt of the earth is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ more desirable to those who at maybe one time said, I don't know about that. I don't know if I should, should do that. Guess what? Salt gives flavor to the earth. Amen? And so this is a, this is a quality of, of physical salt, but spiritually is the same thing. The second, and I'll try to go quickly here, second quality of salt, guys, is um, salt restrains corruption. Think about that. In the natural, I'm talking about in the natural and in the spiritual. If we're salt of the earth, we got to study salt, right? Salt, the second attribute of salt is that it, 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 um, it restrains corruption. Now, now think about that. In the old days before refrigeration, the, the sailors and the people that would take meats and food um, for several days to another part of uh, the countries or another part of the world would actually pack their food in salt because salt would preserve, preserve that meat or that food so that it won't decay. So it's basically slowing down the decaying process, the corruption process. Oh, I am so excited because as Christians, if we rise up to be the salt of the earth, we may not completely destroy the power uh, of sin tendencies in people's lives, but we can hold it back enough for, for God to do his purposes in the heart and mind of people. In other words, it holds back corruption. As a salt of the earth, we could be able to, to, to see the Lord move on people's lives as, as our light in the Lord and a salt of the earth holds back the darkness on the earth. Come on, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, even more. So when we see darkness on the earth, we should be able, as walking as light and, and salt, we should be able to automatically diffuse darkness 
and, and make people want what we have in Jesus. Can I hear an amen? The third thing is, uh, the third attribute of salt, we're, we're talking about being the salt of the earth, all right, is salt makes people thirsty. You've heard me say that again. Those of you who have been with me for several years know this, but there's about uh, 80% now at RCC that are new uh, in the body of Christ. I haven't said this, but I'll say this. It makes people thirsty. Just try pouring a whole bunch of salt and try uh, sucking on salt for a while. It will make you thirsty. Time and time again, when people drink salty things um, or eat salty foods, the natural byproduct of salt makes people thirsty. Oh, here it is. Here's a prophetic implication to that. If what Jesus says is true, which we know it is, that we are the salt of the earth, are you making people thirsty for Jesus in this time? During the coronavirus uh, outbreak, during the, the pandemic and the hysteria that's happening and the fear and the worry, are you making people thirsty for Jesus? Watch this. Or are you making people thirsty for more worry, for more anxiety? It's a sad time when Christians are um, responding and acting just as people who don't know the Lord are responding. Listen, I want to give you a clue, guys. The world at this time does not need someone that looks just like them. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to say that again. The world does not need someone that looks just like them right now. They are looking for salt, something that's flavorful, something that's different. The salt of the earth, which is the presence of the Lord in the lives of, of Christians, we need to be the difference makers in this world right now. And being the salt of the earth, you know what we'll do? It would, it would not only add flavor, it would not only uh, delay corrupt, uh, corruption, right? Restrain corruption, sorry. But it will make people thirsty. Are you making people thirsty for God in your job? Are you making people thirsty for God uh, in your home, in your family, the best you can? Are you making people thirsty for God by your lifestyle? I encourage you, this is something that we really need to, uh, to pray about and ask ourselves if our lifestyle is le leading people to living waters that are thirsty for something greater than what they've been experiencing. Fourthly is this, fourth attribute of salt, and then I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go quickly in this, is, oh, I love this. You could write this down. Salt irritates bacteria and heals wounds. <laughs> Let's say that again. Salt, salt irritates bacteria and it heals wounds. Why do I say that? Because, how is that prophetic? Because um, salt, when you put it on a cut, obviously it stinks, but it's actually killing all these germs, all these bacteria, right? That's, it's healing. But what it does in healing, it, it irritates bacteria. That's where you feel the sting is because bacteria is dying. Oh, hallelujah. You know what that means, guys? That means if prophetically we become the salt of the earth in this hour, in this time where we're living in, um, you know what's going to happen? Prophetically and spiritually, we will be the salt of the earth that destroys the spiritual bacteria in this world, in this life, in this nation. And it watch this, this is key. Physical salt brings healing and spiritual salt brings healing. You will actually be a, a, a conduit, a tool to bring healing to people, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physically. What if, what if someone is, is, is legitimately sick in any way, in any way, and you have the power to pray for them and they get healed? 
What if they are emotionally hurt in this season because of some tragedy that's happened with their finances or lack of food supply? You and I being to salt the earth could actually bring healing, not just to people. Watch this. We could bring healing to our nation. We could bring healing to our nation. And fifth, before I go to the, the, the fourth prophetic point, um, the fifth uh, attribute of salt, guys, um, is salt. I love this. I love this. It wakes people up. You can see that on the screen. Salt wakes people up. Isn't that amazing? It, when someone is un- unconscious, you know what they do? They break a salt cube or a salt tablet or a salt pill thing, uh, and, and the chemical salt in those things rushes through the nostrils and the airwaves of the individual that's knocked out or that's unconscious, and immediately they wake up. Think about that. When someone is knocked out in sports or, or, or through an accident, they'll bring medical people will, will break a salt capsule right? Medical salt capsule. And the fumes of that salt will automatically wake people up. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time first for the church to wake up, right? We have to see a wake up in the church first before we see a wake up in the world. So in order for the world to be awakened to the knowledge of the beauty of Jesus Christ, the church needs to be awakened. Amen? The church needs to be awakened to the knowledge and beauty of Christ by, by, again, trusting in his word, being in his word, and believing what he says is true. Once the church gets this, the world will wake up. I believe that there's an awakening coming. I, be, I really believe that. And I don't want to be cliche-ish, but I believe there's an awakening coming. Why? Because people are searching now. Uh, I remember in, in 9-11 when it hit, people were searching. They were searching for answers. Well, this is the perfect time to be the answer. Can I hear an amen? Uh, the, fourth, the, the, uh, the fourth thing, and I'm coming to a close, just these last two points, and then you could uh, go ahead and we'll, we'll end it out and we'll pray together and uh, continue to dialogue with you. Um, the fourth thing, uh, prophetically, that the Lord spoke to me uh, for our RCC community in this time and for the body of Christ is this. During these times, guard your heart from offense and complaining. Woo! I know I'm the only one here, but I feel like running around the church. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. In this time, if we're not careful, we could be susceptible to a spirit of offense and complaining out of our mouth. I believe the Lord spoke to me. I really do. That during this time, we need to guard our hearts from offense and complaining. Why? Because offense and complaining are very destructive to all the other things that I just previously said, to our faith to our ability to walk as lights in the world, to, to be unified. If we're offended, we're, we're not going to want to be unified. We're not going to want to be the salt. So I, I say this because trying times can produce a spirit of offense that will rise up in our heart. I want to encourage you, do all that you can. Be diligent to guard your heart from offense, from bitterness, 
from complaining during this time. Do you know that it was, uh, it, it was not just the major sins that was pointed in the, the, the scriptures? Yes, they have references to it, but when it comes to uh, one of the main reasons why they, the children of Israel didn't go to the promised land, it was because they were murmuring. You know what murmuring is? Uh, An old-fashioned word for complaining. We all know this, but just for the sake of this message, let's all turn to Philippians 2. I've always said this. I, 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 I want to be a Philippians 2 community. And those who are watching, if you're not part of our community, um, I believe that that should be your prayer too. Every church, my opinion, based on the word of God, should strive to be a Philippians 2 community. When you have a chance, just read the whole chapter of Philippians 2. I'm going to give you a, a portion of it. I'm going to go, go there now. But um, Philippians 2 talks about honor. It talks about humility, um, and it talks about um, not complaining. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, right, but it's so powerful. And other than Jesus wept, that's one of the shortest ones. Look, look at what it says here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 15 in the New King James. Look at this. It says, do all things without complaining and disputing. End of verse. Do all things, not some things, not when things are convenient, not when things are good, not when the stock market is high, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, what, what not. In all, it says, it says, do all things without complaining and disputing. And then in the verse 15 uh, following, it says, that you may, this is a byproduct of not complaining and not having a spirit of offense during these times, the byproduct is in verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as light in the world. Did you see that? Did you catch that? The Lord actually has given us a revelation. When we train our tongue and when we train, train our speech to not complain and we train our heart to be offense free we guard our hearts that no matter what comes the lord is still good no matter what comes the lord is still uh faithful right when we train that it what, what happens it guards our heart from offense and complaining but the moment we start complaining you know what i'm saying it we start veering off to um an area where it's very dangerous for us but the bible says here in philippians that if we are uh faithful and we don't complain we keep our hearts guarded we will shine as lights oh boy that could preach right there that means maybe the reason why some of us are not shining as bright lights um in, in the world maybe is because there's a little bit of murmur and complaining that we have I, I know i've constantly had to repent in the past with some of my health conditions and i find myself complaining to the lord and honestly um it got me nowhere it got, me, it got me even more despondent, even more angry. So what we have to do is we have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I give it all to you. No matter what I'm experiencing, I will not be offended. I will not allow offense to grab me because, let me tell you something, once offense grabs you because of maybe these circumstances that are happening, it sometimes takes a while for you to get back, and some don't ever come. Some, of them, some people have straight up backslid because of the offense that they have got. It is a cancer, okay? Offense is a cancer and it destroys. So avoid being offended. When you see it creep up, quickly repent of it, quickly turn from it. If it's towards another person, quickly get that right because it has the power 
to, um, to destroy your walk with God. Amen. Um, that is the, the, the fourth main one here. And I'm closing with this, okay? I'm closing with this. I've given you four, and I'm going to five. I'm going to recap before we, we, we end. But the fifth prophetic thing that um, the, the Lord spoke to me in prayer while I was preparing is, now I want you to listen to this because this is the, a time where it is more personal than anything else. The fifth thing that I believe that uh, the Lord is saying to RCC, to the body of Christ at large, is the Lord is demanding personal holiness from his people during these times. I'm gonna say that again. The Lord is demanding personal holiness from his people during these times. Now, that is not being insensitive. I know some people, you know, oh, you know, give me a message of hope. This is a message of hope. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater either. We must discern the signs of the times. Guys, let's just, I'm just gonna be real with you guys. We will be ignorant to think that what is happening in our nation right now, in our state, with all these quarantines, does not have an end time feel to it. We will be ridiculous uh, uh, to, 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 to think that, oh, it's just a normal day. It's not a normal day. Let's, let's get over that. Yes, God is on the throne. Yes, God has a plan, but it's not a normal day. Why do I say that? Because what's happening in our nation today, hear me, please, hear me from my heart, should provoke us to say, I need to get right with God. Let me tell you something. The Bible says judgment starts at the house of God. But guess what? I have good news for you. If judgment starts at the house of God, that means revival starts at the house of God too. Hallelujah. Revival could start in the house of God. How? Through holiness, personal holiness. You know the scripture in Hebrews 12. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Guys, I believe that it's time for us to get rid of the little foxes that are spoiling the vine, the vineyard of our walk with God, whether it's personal lust, whether it's personal anger, whether it's um, greed, whether it's lying repeatedly, whether it's uh, uh, living a double life and pretending that you're all spiritual and then going out to the clubs and, and, and doing these, these crazy things that are not glorifying the Lord. It's time for the church to return back your personal holiness. Here's what's going to happen. When we discern these times, right, these signs of the times, literally the signs of, of, of the Lord's return, you know what that, this, what all that's happening in the earth should, should have a feel of? We should have a healthy sense of the fear of the Lord to come into us and say, oh my God, this is, this is real. I personally believe these are just the, 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 the early tremors and how we respond as the body of Christ during this time will reveal if God will trust us in the future. You know, I've, and there's a lot of other implications as well. But I, I want to say this. It's time to return back to personal holiness. I want you to take a moment, all right? Seriously. Um, does it always have to take a, a pandemic like this to get us back to the fear of the Lord and the, um, and the holiness? No. But unfortunately, for many in the body of Christ, we've just been coasting along. Everything is good. Sometimes there's a shaking that has to present itself in our earth, in our world, for us to say, to have a sense of sobriety and say, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Think about this, guys. 
What are you spending your time doing? What are you spending your time looking at? What are you spending your time reading? What are you spending your time listening? Is it glorifying the Lord? Is it doing damage to your eyes, what you see, or your ears to your spirit, right? Because the eyes and ears are the windows to your soul. What are you allowing through your eyes, guys? What are you allowing through your ears? I'm saying this to me too. I'm preaching to myself too. Why? Because I believe the Lord is lovingly demanding that his people start looking like his bride, right? Without spot or blemish. Doesn't mean perfection. It means let's strive for personal holiness, all right? Let's pres- I love the scripture. In the Psalms it says, Lord, the psalmist said, Lord, you look for truth in the inward parts. Oh, I love it. I mean, he's not talking about your liver or your pancreas. That's not what he's talking about. The inward part is talking about in your character, in who you really are, right? The, 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 I love these, these, these old quotes that I used to quote, you know, integrity. Integrity is what you do when nobody's looking. Amen? Integrity is what you do when no one look, is looking. Obviously, reputation is what you do when everyone's looking, but... You build your reputation by having a solid integrity in your private life. In other words, eventually, if you're just faking the funk, you know, and trying to be, uh, have a good reputation outside, eventually what is really you in your integrity will seep out, right? So in order for you to assure personal holiness in these times, in your private time, in your daily walk with God, in your private walk with God, have integrity, which is what you do when nobody's looking. When nobody's looking, are you still holy? Are you still living right? Are you still abstaining from certain things? Are you still uh, saying uh, no to some things that will pull your heart into a very uh, maybe addictive, open-door bondage or even away from the Lord? I want to encourage you. This, is, this was uh, my message today, guys. Today is that... Um, we need to discern these times. I'm coming to a close now. Uh, I wanted to say I do miss you guys. I love you guys. I am praying for you guys. Um, we've had several meetings back to back. Just this week alone, we've had a meeting with our staff and leaders uh, to get everything digital for you. Our marketing team uh, has doing an excellent job doing it. We've had a, a, a meeting with our, our elders uh, and, and also our board members. Three different meetings to make sure we're covering all angles for our spiritual family. We want you to know if you have any prayer requests during this time, please email us at info at remnantchristiancenter.com. Again, info at remnantchristiancenter.com. Hopefully it will be there on the screen while, while you guys are, are checking us out. Again, if you have any questions about things, even what we have, let, let us know. Unfortunately, right now we have to... Um, uh, postpone some of our outreaches that we had planned for April, our uh, Sunday fun day, uh, some of our seminars that were coming up this Friday um, that just passed, actually. Uh, we had to, to postpone that. And then we also have to um, postpone the... Um, uh, the uh, the journey weekend uh, right now, unfortunately, because we don't know 
Uh, we don't want to pay hundreds of dollars, even thousands of dollars to retreat center uh, for the retreat if we're not allowed to, to, to congregate um, and, and stay the night, obviously, as we do in those retreats. So, but it is going to change soon. But in the meantime, I want to go over one last time, review these five prophetic things, and then I'll let you go, all right? Number one, what, what we talked about um, is the, the five prophetic things that the Lord spoke to me for our RC community. Number one, a time for unity in the body of Christ like never before. Number two, it is a time of great faith to arise in our hearts during these times. Number three, for us to be the salt and light of the earth to make a deep and lasting impact on people. Number four, during these times, guard your heart from offense and complaining. And then number five, a return to personal holiness. Let's pray and then we'll dismiss. We love you, and we can't wait to see you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for RCC. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we as a community will release what has been said today and that you would release faith in their hearts to believe this. Great faith. Help us to take these five keys, Lord, prophetic keys, and take them seriously and let them be strength to our bodies. Let them be strength, Lord Jesus, to our, our walk with God. I, I pray this in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would cause us to return to these principles because I believe this is what you're saying. There's a purpose for this season that we're in and you are speaking clearly to many in the body of Christ that are similar to these principles. I, I pray, no worry. I speak peace over them. I even speak financial provision and blessings even in the midst of this these hard times guard our spiritual family guard the body of christ from financial ruin from pain from sickness and lord i bless our rcc family we love you in jesus name amen before we before we leave i just want to encourage you there's so many ways that you could get um uh, really uh involved in understanding what's happening uh, we have, obviously, uh, for the next several weeks, as you probably saw in the beginning of, this, of the screen, we have things available on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, Remnant Christian Center. Uh, just type out Remnant Christian Center, and in our YouTube channel, you could actually see the, uh, the service uh, that you just saw um, right now, today, and then for the weeks to come. Also right here in our Facebook Live, um, we're going to have that. Pay attention to our app. I know Zach and our team, uh, they may use the app to send notifications, especially during this time where we can't meet and congregate. But I want to say this before we close, because this is really on my heart, especially for our RCC uh, family. So just zoom in uh, on me and uh, just kind of just listen for a second. I want to encourage you that if you're still doing uh, your connect groups, uh, if, you wanna, if you're still doing your connect groups, um, if you're part of a connect group, uh, like in the homes, like the married couple connect group, the men's connect group, the women's, it's still small enough for you guys to meet. And I still, I think it's healthy for us to meet in homes uh, with the small size that we have. It's going to at least get a sense of humanity uh, in there instead of just viewing everything through technology. Um, eat together. Invite someone over for dinner. It doesn't have to be the whole church, but invite a couple people over. And I think that's how we continue to do life with each other. We'll continue to communicate with each other. Let's, let's not be in a rush. Let's congregate together in homes. Let's eat together. Let's not be afraid. Right? Let's do the proper protocols. But I encourage you, the connect groups, still on. Um, 
services will still have to be online for the next several weeks until we get that green light, but we will prepare you and we'll let you know. God bless you guys. I'll be in communication with you throughout this week. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.